and welcome to the 495. I am your host, Doug Sparks, Editor-in-Chief of Merrimack Valley Magazine. This is our special Halloween edition yes. of the 495, and, and what a day for it. I was sitting out in the, the, the parking lot, as I sometimes do, Yes. drinking tea. <laughs> is, uh, it, and is it misty and spooky? It's misty. It's spooky. There were, there were uh, uh, crows circling around my car, not making this up, and it's <laughs> rainy, and it's kind of cold, and I'm like, man, I, I don't have to go too far to, to get a spooky vibe going. No, that'll be the mood this week. That, that will, that we're definitely heading into that kind of um, uh, you know, feeling for sure. Do you have any Halloween plans, Lou? Oh, no. I'm just going to sit down and enjoy it. Maybe find a good Halloween movie. You don't get dressed up? You don't dress like a Jedi or anything? <laughs> walk around the neighborhood? I don't think this year. I've done it, I've done it sometimes in the past, but yeah, it's not an annual thing. I, I feel as though my, my over time, I've, I've, gotten a, I've gotten dressed less and less. Although I got dressed this, this past weekend to go to a party with my three-year-old and one-year-old. As? As a scarecrow. Oh. Now, I wasn't going to go nice. dressed as anything. I was like, I don't, I don't want to have to deal with this. I'm just running out. I have too much. And my wife kind of insisted, so she put a little makeup on, and it was kind of fun. I, I'm glad I did it. In the ki- and I was, I, you get cynical, right? You begin, you begin to think, ah, oh, it doesn't really matter to them. They just want to play with dirt and play with sticks. Anyways, yep. except they actually really got excited about these costumes. And then later on in the day after we take them off, they're like, oh, we want to dress up like scarecrows again. Yep. So they were, they were very, very excited. Well, the good thing is I'm only about 30 seconds from being a scarecrow at any point in time anyway. So. <laughs> there, you, there, there you go. <laughs> it's easy. I'm hoping every year around this time I try to watch the, uh, the the 1973 version of The Wicker Man. It's one of my favorite movies. It's my own little Halloween the Wicker tradition. Man. Not the Nicolas Cage remake, please. The original English Don't be knocking Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Nothing wrong with him, but the remake misses the point of the original. I see, okay. Some, something yeah. fierce. you got to see. And it's hard because they, they cobble together different versions of the original based on all sorts of, like, footage. So it's like there's no one version. I, I'm a nerd, so I, I have, like, whatever, like, five different versions on DVD. So I can... That's I can, okay until you start bagging on Nicolas Cage. I'm, I would never. I would never. I just watched, uh, speaking of, of, you know, creepy things, I just watched The Color Out of Space last week. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is uh, interesting and, and written by someone from New England, H.P. Uh, oh. Lovecraft. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, based on the original story. Our guest today is named Roxy's Wicker. Uh, you've seen her on the Travel Channel and the History Channel. She has a podcast called Wicked, Wicked Curious Radio, and she's the owner of new england curiosities roxy hey how are you doing today i am as spooky as can be on Excellent. a dreary new england day how absolutely I, I so this is a strange year for for halloween like normally you do tours right so and you'd be you know showing people around kind of like the haunted um interesting unusual places in in new england what are you doing now <laughs> well, I'm still I'm still haunting cemeteries, but we are definitely in a people business. So it's it's been great to change our creative focus. So a lot of what we've been doing is virtual tours, which has been an awful lot of fun, and then a smaller amount of tours with smaller numbers of people. So normally we would see, you know, three to four tours a day. We're doing like two to three tours a week and just trying to keep ways of reaching out to people in, um, you know, in, like I said, creative ways. So like Facebook lives, things like that. Um, but it's weird. It's definitely weird. It gives me more time to, to research and, um, you know, to take pictures and things like that. It's not the same. Yeah. What about, is there a film festival going on this weekend? I thought I read there was yes. a film festival. 
Yep, we are uh, doing the Wicked Virtual Film Festival. Uh, it includes a film that I uh, wrote and produced called The Wooden Alchemy and a couple other uh, spooky short films as well as other films about haunted New England. Um, we interviewed a gentleman from The Walking Dead, uh, Ghost Hunters. So it's a nice combination of, you know, just sitting down for 14 hours overnight onto Halloween and enjoying some spooky stuff. Uh, so um, tell me about this film that you made. So, oh, The Woodland Alchemy? Yeah. So The Woodland Alchemy um, actually came out a couple of years ago. We were uh, premiered at Boston Sci-Fi Film Festival, and um, we were nominated for a Boston Emmy Award based on our amazing soundtrack. And the whole premise of the movie is uh, a little bit artistic, a little bit poetic, and very open-ended in regards to what might you find if you went in the New England haunted woods. Sometimes our most frightening shadows that we experience are our own. So how would you face your deepest fears and confront those? And would you call your ancestors to be your guide as you're going through, you know, kind of those, you know, those shadowy times in our life. That's, we think about that a lot this time of year, you know, we're going inward, the days are getting shorter. Um, you know, everything is changing in the world around us. So we really wanted to reflect those emotions and those feelings. And you could take it as deep as you wanted to. Um, like I said, it's very open-ended. Yeah. You know, um, when I was younger, I used to, to love going, I grew up in Chelmsford and I used to love going to the Chelmsford Public Library and getting VHS copies of Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World. And I would watch these over and back in the day when, you know, it's not yeah. like now where you can watch wherever. You would watch the same things over and over again to keep yourself entertained. But I remembered when I was younger thinking, man, I, I it's like you had this sense that this, there's a folklore kind of past in this region, but you, there's no access. Right. At least this is this is when I was growing up, like like where are the, the you know, the kind of spooky places and where's the folklore and where's where's the the New England version of, of the Loch Ness Monster or the Jersey Devil or or something like that. Like, are there places people can go as uh, for resources now, aside from your tours to find out about our, you know, unusual kind of creepy, strange, um, you know, folklore past and, and things that are going on in our region? Well, that's a that's a great question because it it really took a lot to talk about, you know, these types of stories and to reference where all the material comes from hmm. because people are curious. And um, you know, you, you kind of sometimes have to pry when you're in a regular, you know, kind of standard historic tour. Like I'd always try to pull more information out of my tour guides. Like, you know, everybody's gone. You can tell me the ghost story type of thing. Hmm. So the first thing that really, you know, I can tell you as far as resources is it's really all around us. I mean, hmm. go to your local cemetery, read the gravestones that are there. You're going to learn about the community. You're going to learn about superstition. You're going to learn where the place names in your town came from. It's really all right there in those museums. Um, Libraries are absolutely a fantastic place. In Portsmouth, we have a private library called the Athenaeum where they have like a cabinet of curiosities. Hmm. They have the axe that was used, the infamous double axe murder out on Smutty Nose Island. People are starting to come up with an awareness of really treasuring some of those stories that maybe even 50 years ago, nobody considered. One of the other kind of strange places that I will pick up um, a lot of stories, believe it or not, is antique shops. Um, I have some really strange um, books and artifacts. I have a 
ship captain's log from the 19th century, and it talks about his journeys in and out of New England, um, some of the things he experienced out at sea, and it really gives you a feel for what these people's lives were like. So I kind of go a little bit more of the non-traditional path. You know, I'll sit in lectures, and you know, even even though we're in a virtual world right now, I still like to hear people talk about you know what's going on in their town or. Um, with their historical society. So there's a lot of resources. Just going to look. Yeah, well, I mean, this is this is kind of fascinating to me because my, my initial instinct being educated the way I was is you go first to the books, but, like, you're almost doing it like the Brothers Grimm. Like, you're talking to people and listening to people and, and sort of in, walking and, and looking and, and starting there, which I think is probably the way it ought to be, but you get trained in a certain way of thinking. Like, you have to kind of start with the library and start with, uh, you know, Amazon.com. And you're also, you're you're a writer, too. What's what's your most recent book? Uh, so my recent book is um, the Massachusetts Book of the Dead. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell me about that one. With, with that title, you must explain what's in the Massachusetts <laughs> Book of the Dead. So the Massachusetts Book of the Dead looks at the graveyard superstitions, folklore, and strange customs that you would find going all the way back to colonial times. Some of the stories that really have been lost, such as um, on Cape Cod, women in the late 1700s in certain communities, when their husbands died off and there was no way for them to support themselves, they used to auction the women off at what was called a widow's van due. And people would essentially take on these women to work for them. And it's it's kind of a strange concept now, but you had a usefulness in communities back in the day. And it's very much reflected in how people reacted when someone died. And this was a type of thing that people did down there, that they would actually bring these women to auction so the towns wouldn't support them. You know, today we have public assistance, but back in the day, the towns didn't want to pay for this. So um, they would sell them off. And uh, I found that to be a strange tale because these women were buried without ceremony hmm. um, in in places without gravestones. It's It's so... It's so strange to think of these things happening, and that's what I wanted to extract and put in this book. Things you might not even consider, such as when they were digging the subway in Boston, they had to unearth thousands of people, and they ended up reinterring them in a mass grave at the end of Boston Common. So it's things that are hiding in plain sight hmm. as it relates to funerals, death, and customs um, around the graveyard. Interesting. You know, when I think of the United States as a whole and, and kind of like where the, imagine go, the imagination goes, if you're thinking in terms of horror and the supernatural and, and the macabre, to, to me, the, the two places that come right to my mind would be the South, like Southern Gothic, like there's, you know, like the Gothic tradition, and then New England, our region, right? What is it about New England? What is it about the geography? What is it about the culture that, that gives it this, that lends itself to the macabre? Well, consider when the explorers came over to the New World, it was a dark and scary place. Hmm. In the 17th century, they weren't the only ones that were here. We're looking at, you know, the struggle for survival when they came over, the struggle to build communities. You know, there was no modern medicine. There was no vaccinations. So communities really became quite superstitious. And I mean, certainly we have, you know, the Salem witchcraft trials to tell us how far superstition can really go. But I think with all of those different factions of people really trying to survive 
in what was difficult situations, we naturally have this curiosity about understanding how people made, you know, these beautiful homes that we go by. You know, what would these walls have to say? So we have such an obvious connection going past all of these places, wondering about our ancestors. And I think that really speaks to us as a people. You know, New England, it's you, you can tell another New Englander. We really stick out. Um, and it's not just because of the way we talk. We just, we have that way about us where we are, you know, curious about the things that are in the dark. So, um, yeah, it's it's just, I think it's part of our DNA. It really is. We love the spooky stuff. Um, and, you know, it's part of our history. Is it that we're curious about the dark or we are ourselves sometimes dark people? Because I was thinking about, like Nathaniel Hawthorne. Hey, the right? winter's long, Doug. Right, it's true. But when, when Nathaniel Hawthorne writes about your like stereotypical New Englander, it's someone's kind of sitting at a bar, kind of quiet and moody and saturnine. And there seems to be like this kind of, uh, you know, at best resilience and like a, like a stoic quality to to New Englanders and, and maybe at worst like a chilliness and, and kind of a, like a darkness or like a like a shadow yeah. too that I guess probably has to do with the weather, I'm sure. Uh, oh, go ahead. I, I, I would say if you're going to bring me down the Hawthorne Road, <laughs> then I just have to share this tidbit with you. So when we look at colonial days, the hmm. chief funerary expense wasn't the coffin it wasn't the gravestone it was hard cider and rum so that would be dispensed at you know at all the funerals and some towns would pay for that so nathaniel hawthorne wrote what grisly jolly it is for new englanders whose only boon drinking companion was death itself <laughs> talking about that death was just such a great drinking occasion so when someone died in a community there was a certain number of church bells that would be chimed and of course you'd go and attend to the family that had the death but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking some people were like, hey, that church bell is a signal that it's time to drink. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you specifically about haunted or unusual places within the Merrimack Valley. And and just for people who are listening, because sometimes I say the Merrimack Valley and people like wonder kind of what I'm talking about. If you don't have a map in front of you and you can't see the river, we're talking about cities like Lowell Lawrence, Haverhill. We're talking about Newburyport. We're talking about Andover. Mm -hmm. We're talking about Salem, New Hampshire, not yeah. Salem, Mass. Nashua. Manchester. Yep. Are there are there places within like along the river that are kind of hot spots for for this type of investigation? Well, one of the places that I found to have a, a lot of energy myself and certainly one of the most impactful stories in history is the Pemberton Mill disaster. When you walk the grounds of what remains of this mill, you know, that, that horrifying mill disaster, and if, if people don't know um, this Lowell Mill disaster, it was it was one of the worst things to, um, to, to ever occur to the pretty much the early industry of the area. Um, the, a mill collapsed uh, because it was poorly made. People did not think about safety in the late 1800s, and they were moving a machine, and as they moved this machine on an upper floor, it caused the entire building to essentially implode. Um, the, the dust and debris just blew all the way across town. And during rescue efforts later that evening, um, someone was using a, a lantern with fire in it and the lantern was dropped and this horrifying scene went up in flames. And um, it's, it, it's such a, just the facts behind it are frightening. So the, um, the city hall had to be made into a morgue 
and that's where they were bringing what remained of people part and parcel a lot of people could not be identified and the mill itself somehow they managed to rebuild it no one was held responsible which you would think that somebody would have been brought to justice for this and when you go and visit the gravesite, which I actually just did this summer, there's there's a somberness and, a, and an energy. And when I talk about energy, sometimes people don't always understand. But it's like when you walk into an empty room and you can just feel that there were people that were there. There's a sense of, you know, what these people had gone through. And to imagine, you know, that these folks couldn't even be identified, some of them just with, you know, the joy that was on their hands. That's all they could tell of what this person was. So walking the mill site is is definitely something that gets me um, in touch with the history and the ghosts of that place. A lot of people say that it's haunted. I definitely had a sense of things both there and over at the grave site. Um, I also have a strong feeling, and Lou can certainly speak to this because we've talked about it a lot, that Old Hill Burying Ground in Newburyport is, um, is definitely very haunted. The Pierce tomb that is there has been broken into three times. Um, the bodies have been essentially taken apart. Uh, it's it's really um, just a frightening story of grave robbery and them trying to continue to keep that tomb closed. And there's lots of stories of, of shadow people, people being seen walking in and out of the tomb. Um, there's a lot of tales about this very old burial ground that's you know been around since the early 1700s. And um, every gravestone there too has a story, but the fact that this tomb has been opened up so many times, um, the ghosts seem to be more active than ever. And we're, we're talking, um, you know, just about 10 years ago, somebody uh, had opened it up yet again. Yeah. Do you have any theories about what's happening? Why are, what's happening? Why are these tombs being broken into? Do you have any idea um, or sense? Yeah. Well, the, the first two times it was broken into, it was broken into by teenagers. The last time, it was broken into it was broken into by somebody on work release and they twisted a skull off of one of the remains and posed for pictures with it and kicked it down the hill into a hole hmm. and um you know i think people do it for sport they do it for fun um it's it's absolutely appalling to me um that things like this happen and you know it continues to be sealed up and hopefully you know right now um, you know, it's sealed up enough where nobody can get into it. But also the burial ground itself, there's been gravestones that belong there that have been discovered in other parts of Massachusetts. They found a gravestone from Old Hill in Pepperell, Massachusetts in someone's backyard. And they were able to document this person was buried there, but who took their gravestone? Mm -hmm. So there's all these little strange things that have gone into the history of this location, which certainly adds to the hauntings. When you go to graveyards, do you yourself get frightened? Do you have that kind of feeling? Are you, are you is, is this like your, your turf? Are you at home? Her best in friends in a graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> um, it depends on the graveyard. Hmm. Um, I have been scared in graveyards. I was actually scared in the graveyard um, right up here in Portsmouth, New Hampshire one afternoon uh, because I felt something touch me and there was nobody there. Generally speaking, um, I'm okay, but things... Um, things do happen. My, my awareness is, you know, my antenna is definitely up when I walk through these places, but you know, I, I try to let my intuition be my guide. So when I walk in, I'm very much of 
the mindset, just show me where I need to go, show me the gravestones I need to look at. So that way I have a sense of connecting with the space. Sometimes I'll walk in and it's really sad. Like you just kind of feel, a, you know, a sadness. Um, I, I really try to be very respectful and walk with care and come back with a lot of pictures. And I always go back and try to research some of the stories that might be a little bit lesser known because some graveyards people go for a certain grave or a certain person. But I really want to see, you know, what are those stories that haven't been told? So I try to let my intuition be my guide. Yeah. Uh, because you have this connection in this this feel for the, for these places, does it does it bother you when you see people who don't have that? Like, and obviously when you think of like teenagers and, you know, kind of clowning around, but like, I don't know. I know there are some people who jog in cemeteries, right? Like, do, do is that tough for you to see or is it like, it's it's fine? I mean, any, any, any vandalism in a cemetery is absolutely heartbreaking. Hmm. Um, you know, I certainly hope that anybody goes to a burial ground is very respectful um, because there was a time during Victorian days where we would go and picnic in cemeteries. Hmm. It was, it was a way to pass the time and honor those that had come before us. And cemeteries were beautiful garden spaces. But today, when we look at a lot of our old burial grounds, there's, you know, no money to restore the gravestones. You know, they're the first things to be cut when it comes to funding. So they're little museums, just like going to the Peabody Essex Museum in Salem. You know, you're going to find some great artifacts. They're out there, you know, just exposed on their own. So um, it's, you know, anytime I hear something of vandalism, it breaks my heart. Um, but, you know, I hope that people will use them as places of exploration to learn more. Yeah. So speaking of Salem, I, I wanted to ask you about Salem um, because because of COVID and what's going on right now and the crowds and people are just really, really concerned about overcrowding and some kind of the, the health risks. Have you been to Salem? Do you have any any thoughts on whether or not people should go visit? So um, so I lived in Salem for a while and absolutely love it. And I know that October is Mardi Gras Halloween. So I decided <laughs> to go this year in September. I've been doing um, for the month of October, virtual tours of Salem. And I'm so glad that I am um, because I know a lot of people, I have a lot of friends, a lot of relatives that live in Salem and it's really challenging right now. Um, there's, you know, there's some folks who, you know, they don't want to follow the rules in Salem that makes it really difficult for a lot of other people. A lot of the places that people love to go and visit are closed or have limited hours. So it's not the same experience that you normally might have there. Um, you know, my best recommendation is to wait until next year. Salem's not going anywhere. And it definitely has a lot for the curiosity seeker, you know, depending on what it is that you want to check out, you know, whether it's the filming sites or the places related to witchcraft or the shops. But um, it's, it's different in Salem. It's different everywhere. It's different in Portsmouth as hmm. well. So, um, you know, you've, you've got you've to give it that time. I mean, it's, it's so packed with people. Even now on the weekends, it still kind of surprises me. Yeah. So do, do you get dressed up? Do you put on costumes? And do you have fun with the, the holiday in that way? I do that every day. I go to Target <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm dressed like I'm on a tour. I mean, that's, it's just kind of who I am 24-7. You know, I'm collecting my groceries and somebody's telling me their house is haunted. So, of course. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you more about Lowell. Uh, because we we started talking about the Pemberton Mill, and you've also written in the past a, a subject that I find fascinating: haunted pubs. I I haven't read the book, 
um, is the Worthen in there? Because I, I've got to, I've got to have to imagine if there's any haunted pub in Lowell, it's got to be the Worthen. <laughs> well, well, you know, the, the funny thing about the, um, the pub book is I had such a list of pubs um, and that was on it. And there was just not enough room in the book for everything. Mm. I was limited to um, a certain number of words, which I had gone over. And I've been talking with my publisher to do um, other editions of that, like I'm doing the Book of the Dead, which is cemeteries in each state. So I really want to revisit that um, because there are so many other places that I just didn't have time to cover. I try to get a, a few from you know each state. And that one has been on um, my extended list of, of places to put in there. Yeah. So uh, turning back the clock to 2019, what would your tours normally look like? Like where, where, would, where would they, would they all be in Portsmouth? Do you go to places like uh, Newburyport? Like what, how do, how does it work? So, um, so if we go back to October of 2019, um, I do a lot of lectures throughout New England. I mean, everywhere. Um, I've gone as far south as Pennsylvania. So usually during the week, I'm out at a lecture or presentation. I'm at Tewkesbury um, every single year doing different, um, different events. I had, I mean, last year there was so many people we had to move our location. It was like 200 people that showed up. Um, so I do the whole circuit in October. Um, as far as tours go, um, you know, again, three to four tours a day, there's trolley tours, there's cemetery tours, um, Portsmouth, Newcastle, York. Um, sometimes I've gone to places like Rowley, um, Mass to go ahead and do a lecture and then a tour of the burial ground. So um, it really kind of varies because I have a lot of information just outside of the seacoast because I'm originally from Massachusetts. So it's it's kind of a, a little bit of everything. And, you know, speaking at paranormal conferences, it's a really, um, a really full schedule for October. You know, again, it's being out there and seeing people. That's that's what I do. Sure. So you, you mentioned the crowds were so big in, in Tewksbury that you had to relocate. Like, what, where does that come from? Why, why are people so interested and so fascinated with, with this? Because I think it's okay to talk about right mm. now. I think there, there was a time where you wouldn't tell someone what you were experiencing or, you know, um, any sort of contact that you might have had. And now it's something that people want to talk about. You kind of kept it hush-hush before. Um, even, even once in a while, I'll have somebody say, oh, you know, I'm not crazy, but I can't tell anybody the story but you. And um, it's, hmm. it's, a, it's that, that interest in our history, that interest in, you know what, maybe that story that, you know, grandma told was true. So people will, will come to those events and it's great they'll sit there and they'll listen and they'll ask questions but what really happens is at the end of the event they all come up and they're like oh can i tell you my story so i think they're looking for someone to connect with that understands where they're coming from yeah you know this it's it's sort of fascinating to me like i remember in college we there was a professor from i think finland and uh you know normal kind of professor type seemed you know rational by whatever standards however you want to define that and it just came up casually in conversation that that she believed in little people that she believed in the actual existence of of elves and of course as as you know students who are reading Nietzsche or whatever like we kind of thought she was joking she wasn't joking at all um you know and that's it's very uh it's 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 just interesting to me that there are these different ways of kind of looking at the world and and uh, you know that there might be this kind of hidden way of of 
I don't know, connecting with existence that, that rationality doesn't provide for. Well, you know, I, I've got to say, I've, I've been surprised over particularly the past 10 years with the different types of people that I've spoken to, kind of to your point as well. Um, you know, I've, I've spoken to police officers, real estate agents, people that are in a really professional capacity that mm. you wouldn't even imagine would be telling a ghost story about this house or that house. And again, it's, it's out there more than we realize. Um, there's, there is a, a sense that people really do want to believe some people, you know, will be like, you know, I'm not going to believe it till I see it type of thing. But um, people are, you know, they're curious. Like, again, it's, I hate to say that word again. I think I'm, I'm going to get dinged for saying it too many times, but people, they really want to know. Sure. And um, it's everybody. Yeah. Uh, what's your webpage again so that people can learn more about what you're doing and, and what's going on? Sure. So you can go to um, newenglandcuriosities.com. And you can see, you know, there's lots of information about um, my background, things that I do, um, some of the tours and events, things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, one more question before I turn it over to Lou, because Lou may have some uh, some questions. Uh, you mentioned something about these, uh, you know, Books of the Dead and, and uh, cemeteries across the United States. Is that your big project? What are you working on right now? So I am working on expanding um, the Book of the Dead series. So I've been working on Maine and Vermont. So mm -hmm. same idea, you know, the history, folklore and traditions. And um, a lot of people have actually asked me if I would be interested in writing some fiction. So um, mm -hmm. I've been putting together based on uh, some stories that I have, uh, some fictionalized New England folklore as well. So the work never ends. Yeah. I mean, that, it must be, you know, like a great feeling to have this like, this this deep resource this thing in that that's been largely like unexplored or like it's just out there you know for people who want to listen and want to you know to to see these things it's 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 so much fun um this you know this past weekend i was in um of all places a little town called goffstown new hampshire hmm. and we got to do an in-person event i was out on on the old porch of this old general store People were all socially distanced on the lawn. They brought snacks. They brought blankets. They brought their kids. And we did two hours of ghost stories. And I was like, you know, man, this is it. Mm -hmm. This is what it's all about. People, you know, came up afterwards and told me stories about the town. And I just, I had such a ball. And that's, you know, and that's what keeps me going. Lou, do you have any questions for us? Yeah, hi, Roxy. We've worked together so long, and there's one thing about you that I love your stories about, and we've talked about it. I want to do it in two questions, one of which we've talked about, one of which we haven't. But when you tell these stories and these ghost stories, and I find them almost kind of the sugarcoating in a way, the ghost stories, because what you deal with and what you give us is history. And the amount of history that comes within these stories and the look back into our past is really valuable for us because, as Doug noted, we're really attached to our past. I mean, it's 2020, but New Englanders seem to be have a very strong connection with who we were in the 17th century, who we were in the 18th century. And exploring that helps us find a little bit more about ourselves, doesn't it? It really does. You know, we are in New England. This is where, you know, it all started. The people, you know, we've we've heard about Washington, Revere, all the people that were so instrumental in the fabric of what this country started as. We're right here in our backyard. So knowing the history, being able 
to drive by these sites or go inside these houses and understand what our role is as part of being the history of New England. Um, we, you know, we grew up with storytelling. That's how we are as a New England culture. This is a story that was passed down from one person to another. So despite the fact that we have, you know, so many electronic devices today, there's something very organic and something just wonderfully historic about sitting around telling stories. You have that personal connection to our history in, in a way that you don't get from reading a book. And it's about our revolutionary history, how it still lingers with us. It's about our Puritan history, how it still lingers with us. And we're not in touch with that anymore. But once you start to learn the history, you, you really sense a connection with colonial New England and early American New England. That's who we are, and it lingers to this day. It, it really does. Even just look at the foods that we eat. You know, we're, we're coming up on Thanksgiving. You know, we're, we're going back to that time frame and, and honoring that history in our own way, even though there's parts of that history that's, you know, being written. But generally speaking, yeah. you know, as, as a tradition, you know, we have those traditions that are, are based in our history here. And if really anybody is, is trying to figure out you know, what that really means on a bigger scale, being in this people business and seeing folks coming from the West Coast or coming from Europe to New England, they have such a view on our little world here and such an appreciation. I mean, they're constantly saying, wow, you are just, you're so lucky that you're here. Like, wow, this place is amazing. Um, it's just, it's great to see both sides of that. And we've talked about how one of the riches that you have to work with here is that you can tell a ghost story and go stand in front of the building where it happened. And and it's not like, it's not looking at a book, it's not looking at a picture. In this house, here's what, here's what has happened. That That's a great resource for you, especially in the Portsmouth area. Oh, it's, it's so amazing because, Lou, when you're standing in front of that house, you can, you know, smell the dirt beneath your feet. You can smell the the wood fire smoke coming out of the chimney. You can see all of the beautiful architectural details and imagine what it was like when those people were looking out the window at you. So there's there's something about just being timeless in that moment. It's like being in a time machine. Luke, can I jump on your question? Sure. I, you actually brought something up that I wanted to dig in a little bit because yeah. right at the top of the show, you mentioned the woods and forests. I love to hike. I love to even hike at night sometimes. I put the little headlamp on. <laughs> but but a lot of the, the hiking areas around here, like like Harold Parker and uh, um, Thanksgiving Forest down in Chelmsford, where I go to, and to, to um, Great Brook, there's a lot of old structures there and old walls and the signs of something. And I'm always like... The gates you know, of hell in New Brook. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I, yeah. You know, so I always think, I always wonder, wow, you know, what's going on? There's, there's some buried, uh, you know, past here. And, and and then you think about it and then you go about your day and you go home and you make yeah. dinner and you kind of forget about it. So I'm worried about like a, a, beyond the urban spaces. I'm, I'm interested in the woods. I'm interested in the woods and the forest. Now people want to get out. And one of the only things I can do that's, that's safe you know, is, is to get out in the woods. Are there particular hot spots? Are there places to go that, that have these, um, this, um, this energy in, in our area? Well, first of all, let me give you this great resource. Hmm. Um, just listening to you talk, there's a great book, and it's called Reading the Forested Landscape. I know that one. I know that one. It is a great book. It's, it, it's fantastic. So you can understand, you know, by looking at the trees and looking at the stone walls, what the history hmm. of that spot was. 
So, I mean, certainly there's a ton of great places to go. One of the places that um, I really enjoyed when um, I lived in Massachusetts was walking through Lynn Woods hmm. was really just incredible. Um, you, you, you didn't even know if it wasn't for the plane going overhead. You didn't even know what time frame you were in. <laughs> there's just something wild and woolly about that space that is you know very evocative evocative of of spirits and ghosts and you also have to kind of remember too when you're out in the woods if you you know go back to our history you know during the revolution and things like that if you know soldiers fell they were often buried right where they were fallen Hmm. so there's places where you might not even think that there's people buried and there are not to mention you know the unmarked native american burial grounds that are out there as well so um you'll find that you know there's there's so many layers to the woods you know it may have been a farm field before you could be walking through old cellar holes so um i love that there's such an effort for preserving those places these days like people are starting to notice we're running out of these green spaces and that we need to keep them going i think uh i think one of the attractions it's ghost story season so we're talking ghost stories but uh, more of what a lot of what you do the rest of the year is mediumship and ritual and uh exploring these types of things with people and i think one of the things that makes us so attractive these days is that we are as a people looking inside ourselves a little bit more and the movie woodland alchemy talks about dealing with your own shadows mediumship and ritual is more about the demons within us than the demons without us right the the things that are acting on us within as opposed to the things that are acting on us outside externally you are 100 percent correct lou about that and you know, when we think of, you know, Halloween that's coming up and, you know, all All Souls Day and this, you know, this really magical time of year where people say, you know, the veil is thin and ancestors are close and spirits are close and people light bonfires. And there's so much folklore mm. in just some of the simple things that we do at Halloween. You know, when we're we're lighting a bonfire, the word bonfire actually comes from bone fire. And the ritual was that you would burn bones as offerings to clear out the shadows in your life and also pay homage to all of, you know, the animals that gave their lives for, you know, for the sacrifice of keeping you going during the winter. You know, we put pumpkins on our doorsteps, but really they were there to guide the spirits along their path and to offer protection. So in our little, you know, sort of Halloween day-to-day rituals, there's a lot of history and mystery behind that, which, you know, even if we don't realize it consciously, the things that we're doing in their own way are their own little ritual. You know, wearing a mask meant to embody what it was that you wanted to be, or you'd wear a mask for protection. You know, we wear masks for fun, but there's so many other layers once you start getting down into it. Like, why do we do that? And that's, you know, that's where I get excited. I'm like, I want to find out why. So um, I, I'd love to share that that stuff that we're all doing rituals. Sometimes we just don't know. It. And before, before I turn it back over to, the, to Doug, Halloween is going to be different this year. Maybe not trick-or-treating, uh, maybe certainly not parties, things like that. If people want to take a day trip, and I know this is Merrimack Valley base, but we've got a lot of beautiful things within a, a gas tank of us here. If there's going to be a haunted Halloween day trip, what would you suggest for people? Where would you go? Oh, gosh, that is such a good question, Lou. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, like a, a million places just kind of um, 
flood to my mind. Um, I know it's probably a little bit further, but um, one of the places that I, I just love for a day tripping has to be um, Hammond Castle in Gloucester. Um, it's absolutely amazing. Um, John Hayes Hammond is buried right on the site. It's super spooky. Um, it really is like going back in the past and you've got like everything that's right there. Um, you know, the ghost of his wife is there. The view is amazing. Um, so I would definitely check that place out as far as a day trip goes. I mean, it's really not that far from the Merrimack Valley and you can see some great scenery along the way. So that would be um, on my list. Like I said, tacking a cemetery along the way. Like <laughs> if you see one, just stop, park your car and get out and be surprised. Uh, other than the film festival that starts this Friday, are there other places where people can, can purchase a DVD or see Woodland Alchemy? Um, yeah, you can uh, reach out uh, directly to me um, at uh, northerncuriosities.com or you can email me or um, find me on my Facebook page and I have it on um, a private link that you can um, just go ahead and reach out to me for that as well. Cool. So um, where's the best place to buy your books? Is it Amazon or is it through your website? Where do you prefer people pick them up? Um, well, I mean, it really depends. If you buy it from me, I sign it. So, you know, you get the, the, the personal, you know, valuable signature that five dollars <laughs> will get you a Starbucks. Um, but you can you can really get them um, anywhere. But if you wanted one um, signed from me, you can just go right through the website. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the 495 this week. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to this weekend. It's, uh, you know, the weather's there. Uh, I'm doing something very scary after the show and driving four and a half hours with, uh, with two young children in the car. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, Roxy Zwicker, thank you so much. Uh, it, this has been great. And everyone have a happy Halloween. Thanks, Lou. Happy Halloween. Thanks, Roxy. Thank you.